Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda. This week on The Agenda, life after Elizabeth II. What impact will the Queen's death have on Britain's role in the Commonwealth and on the world stage? The death of Queen Elizabeth II means major practical changes for the UK, from its banknotes and coins to stamps and the words of the national anthem. But it would also mean changes for Britain on the international stage. Now, the woman who was for many the diplomatic face of the UK to the rest of the Commonwealth and indeed the rest of the world is no longer with us. The Gambia is a former British colony that left the Commonwealth in 2013, only to rejoin five years later. And we can speak now to the country's Minister of Information, the Honourable Lamin Queen Jama in the capital, Banjul. What has the impact of Queen Elizabeth II's death been in the Gambia? The relationship between my native land, of course, this is the Gambia and the United Kingdom, is that they had explored uh, Africa and came to the Gambia. And uh, after the exploration, they, they colonized the Gambia. Of course, you and I would know that. And it, this was the only relationship. Okay, and certainly when people are linked together, they will either appreciate each other and accept each other, or they will reject each other. But it had happened that over the period, mm -hmm. you know, the people accepted each other on mutual terms. Of course, although the relationship was not very balanced, it wasn't at all. Uh, but however, there was that general acceptance. So what impact will her death have on the nation? We felt it bad in the Gambia. Many people were very sad, sad because of this relationship that I have said. People remember the Queen Elizabeth's coming to Gambia and not only stopping in Banjul as the capital city, but going as far as into the province. That, that is remembered by many people and it is equally appreciated by a lot of people. So that is one thing. The other thing is that because the Gambia was colonized by Great Britain, uh, she is recognized as the, as the traditional uh, head of the kingdom. Her demise imparted on the people. The people feel very sad, taking from the president up to the ordinary people in the country. Most people were very sad, especially those, uh, the elderly, who know something about this. The Gambia rejoined the Commonwealth in 2018 because you'd left it in 2013. So explain why that happened. Um, yes, you know, the Gambia was, uh, we had withdrawn from the Commonwealth in 2013, as you rightly said, at a time when the political leadership was in the hands of President Yaya Jamme, the former president. The reasons for this, according to him, and in the simplest terms, was that, you know, in every relationship, people count on it to the extent of its worth. The more people find benefits mutually benefiting, partners mutually benefiting from a relationship, is the more they are attached to it. But if it is seen not to be balanced, or people don't find any benefits in it, they don't take to, tend to take it seriously. So it was, I'm sure, out of that understanding that uh, President Yajamet then felt 
that the, the Gambia should withdraw from the Commonwealth. Uh, but with the advent of the new dispensation, President Barrow uh, and his leadership, uh, under his leadership, decided that the, that the Commonwealth is a historical organization that has bonded people together that were colonized by the British, and that it would be of importance for the Gambia to join this historical organization and renew its membership. And that is why President Barrow and the Barrow-led government decided to take the Gambia back to the Commonwealth. Uh, yeah. It could also be a signal, signal in the sense that I think uh, Commonwealth authorities also need to work on more programs to make the organization more meaningful, more beneficial, more worth living. How do you see the Commonwealth developing under its new head, King Charles III? King Charles has some opportunities. As I said, the relationship between people becomes sustainable if it is seen to be a worthy one. And what makes it worthy is that it has to be mutually beneficial to all the parties concerned. So if Charles has the opportunity today, the opportunity is that programs that will make the relationship more meaningful. But if this is not done, if that is not done, the Commonwealth is only maintained as a mere organization of colonies that were under British rule. It will not, it will, I don't think it will pay a lot of dividends for people to continue to see it the way it had been intended at the time of formation. So my, my opinion, therefore, is that he should endeavor to develop as many uh, programs and policies as possible, involve the colonized people who were one-time colonized people, involve them in, in, in common programs and policies. But for example, for, today you apply, even these Commonwealth countries apply visa to the UK. Before they are given acceptance, it's a problem. I don't think that should happen. The relationship can be consolidated by cultural exchange programs like that. But without going to each other, how can the relationship be meaningful? I don't think it would be very meaningful. So the thing is, the king should inwardly look at all these matters. If possible, try to interact with, with Commonwealth countries more in developing programs and policies that would bind them together in a more meaningful manner. Lamin Queen Jammer, thank you very much. Listen to challenging topics and insightful conversations. We don't just report the news. We provide the real story behind the headlines by talking to global decision makers and influential figures. This is The Agenda. For another view on the future of the Commonwealth, we can move now a little further east across to Africa to Nigeria, a member of the Commonwealth that gained independence from the UK in 1960. Well, joining me now is Ambassador Sharafa Chunji Ishola, Nigeria's High Commissioner here in the UK. I'm honoured to, to have you on the programme and I believe that, that you met Queen Elizabeth II at Buckingham Palace um, not long ago. took the opportunity to assure the Queen of the kind of respect and love that Nigerians generally ask, uh, ask, uh, you know, ask for the Queen, being the, the head of the Commonwealth, and uh, to assure her that uh, we also continue to appreciate 
the way Nigerians are really welcome and taken and integrated into the British society. On that occasion, it took time to speak about deepening the relationship between Nigeria and the United Kingdom, particularly in the, through the establishment of a binational commission, uh, whereby we'll have a, a periodic review of the memorandum of understanding between Nigeria and UK. You, you talk about that mutual respect between um, Great Britain and Nigeria. Um, so do you think that the Queen's death might affect debates about colonialism, reparations and the future of the Commonwealth? Well, I don't, I don't really say that. Uh, what we have in Britain of today is Britain of a multicultural society. On the streets of London, the Queen during her reign has really undertaken policies that uh, Commonwealth, season of Commonwealth, somehow part of Britain. For example, in Nigeria today, we have an estimated 250,000 British Nigerian citizens. Among these, we have about seven Nigerians in the House of Commons. We have uh, the President Secretary of International Trade, who is also a British Nigerian the director of community projects in the Buckingham Palace also happened to be a Nigerian. Also given the fact that, uh, yes, the queen may have departed, but the royal family, the institution of, of royalty uh, dates back to, you know, almost a thousand years ago. And the monarchy has been uh, strengthening. The institutions there remain the same. So given the fact that uh, also because the, before the demise of the queen, the present King Charles III has been given certain responsibilities already delegated by the Queen. You're talking about the relationship and the integration of Nigerians in the United Kingdom. What, what about in Nigeria itself? What's the feeling towards Britain? Don't forget that uh, the process leading to our independence involving the various political parties and the leaders Nigeria then process of bringing them together to the table at Lancaster Gate, the Queen really played a prominent role. And uh, you know that Nigeria is very strategic in Commonwealth today. And the Queen has always accorded us uh, such. But going back to Nigeria, uh, the outpouring of condolences in Nigeria really shows that uh, the Queen is well respected also in Nigeria. And, uh, aside from that, we have uh, the issue of uh, royal support for the Green World Project, which is the afforestation program in Nigeria, a program that the that King Charles thought. Nigeria has been a member of the Commonwealth since independence in, in 1960, but looking beyond the, the Commonwealth, do, do you think that the way that the United Kingdom is perceived around the world is now going to change? Well, like I said, I don't expect much change because, yes, the Queen, you know, was uh, well respected during her time, one, for the issue of uh, longevity on the throne, two, for her personality as a woman of peace and the, the woman that believes that we live in a global world whereby cultures and uh, the idiosyncrasies of the various 
components of the world must be respected. So the institutions that have been built in Commonwealth is such that will be sustained by King Charles thought because he is also uh, quite aware and has always been part of this. Ambassador, thank you very much. Thank you for, for having me. Still to come here on the agenda. Rumblings of republicanism. Might more Commonwealth countries soon decide they don't want to be ruled by Charles III? Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda. Welcome back to The Agenda. We've heard from members of the Commonwealth, but where exactly does the death of Queen Elizabeth II leave that organisation and, indeed, the United Kingdom as a whole? Well, with me now is Professor Richard Drayton, Professor of Imperial and Global History at King's College London and co-editor of the book Commonwealth History in the 21st Century. Well, great to see you. Thanks ever so much for, for joining us on the programme. How important a moment in British history do you think this is? I think it's quite a pivotal one. The United Kingdom at the moment is in the midst of a number of overlapping crises, uh, economic, uh, which are connected to social, uh, but also possibly political crises. I think there is a kind of, uh, something of a kind of breakdown of real public confidence in any of the political parties. Uh, the monarchy played a great stabilizing role in Britain over the last, particularly over the last few years through the crises of Brexit, uh, the pandemic, uh, the Ukraine war, uh, and the, the various kinds of uh, to's and fro's of party politics, uh, including the, the various affairs surrounding the resignation of Boris Johnson. So the loss of the monarchy means removing a still point at the center of national life. Uh, and it's quite unclear exactly uh, what the implications will be at this point. Uh, but it is, it is a pivotal moment. A pivotal moment for, for the United Kingdom. And what about for yes. the United Kingdom on, on the global stage? I'm, I'm thinking about you and, and your background. You were born um, in one Commonwealth country, Guyana, grew up in another, Barbados. Now you live in a, in a third, the, the United Kingdom. So do you think that the death of Queen Elizabeth II, how do you think that's been received by the broader Commonwealth? I think there have been three kinds of responses. Uh, there first has been a response on the part particularly of an older generation uh, in which they remember a particular relationship with Britain and with the Crown uh, of a certain kind of uh, um, sentimental uh, sense of loss uh, of, uh, uh, of a connection, of an institution uh, which was embodied in this particular woman. For younger people, however, it has to be said, that what the death of Queen Elizabeth II has provoked is quite a, a, a renewed call for forms of reparations, uh, forms of repair for the kinds of damage that were caused in the colonial and post-colonial world uh, by the British Empire. Uh, so if we look around the world, there have been a number of quite, uh, um, well, what I think would be considered to be undecorous responses to the death of the sovereign, but they can be understood in terms of the ways in which this moment is being interpreted by people in the Commonwealth 
as a moment in which they can begin to interrogate the imperial past in new kinds of ways. Quite apart from this, of course, I think on the part of uh, Commonwealth nation states, there has been quite a remarkable uh, outpouring of sympathy and of condolence messages. I can think of no other world leader who would have provoked the Indian government to declare a day of mourning, uh, to have the Brandenburg Gate uh, covered with uh, uh, Union Jacks, and essentially recognition of this, of the passing of this woman as being a significant public uh, moment in virtually every part of the world. So I think that, again, the question is, what are the implications of this for the Commonwealth? Well, you must bear in mind that the Commonwealth has been an association in which the majority of members have been republics uh, for quite some time. So that the, uh, the, the fate of the British monarchy, which has had over the last uh, 60 years, uh, 70 years, a kind of customary role as the kind of head of the Commonwealth, in some ways, this is not. This is unlikely to be affected significantly. What I think is quite likely is that the passing of Elizabeth II will probably increase the impetus towards a turn towards republican government uh, in many jurisdictions of the Commonwealth. Uh, I can see, for example, that in Jamaica, but quite possibly even in places like Canada and Australia, that there might be a new kind of uh, current leading towards at least the strengthening of Republican sentiment, if not a constitutional change. When Barbados re renounced uh, the, the sovereign uh, as the, the head of state, uh, the United Kingdom and the monarchy uh, were very much part of the, the ceremony. Um, it, it was, they, they supported that. Uh, you talk about Australia, you talk about Canada, Jamaica. What kind of role do you anticipate King Charles having? Well, the monarchy, ever since 1949, when it managed to cope with India becoming a republic, India is the first republic uh, to join uh, the Commonwealth. Uh, prior to this, in the early 20th century, the Commonwealth was understood as the British Commonwealth, uh, in which Britain was the central power. Um, uh, what the Commonwealth became uh, in the second half of the 20th century uh, is an association in which uh, it was understood uh, that sovereignty would often be held uh, locally in jurisdictions and not within London. So I think that Charles III uh, has lived his, his adult life um, as part of a, a world in which uh, the Queen presided over an association of republics uh, an association in which the, the principal religion was probably Islam, if you look per capita, not Christianity. Uh, and he is con he's been conscious for, I think, for some decades that his role would be as the kind of mediator uh, of an organization which would be uh, multi-faith uh, and which would be, uh, and which would consist of many countries which were, uh, in fact, republics. So I think that the turn of Barbados to a republic certainly accelerates the timetable for republicanism in places like Jamaica, uh, Antigua, uh, St. Vincent of the Grenadines, uh, St. Lucia, and so on. Uh, bear in mind, of course, that Trinidad uh, and Guyana and Dominica were already republics since the 1970s. So what then about um, uh, Australia and Canada? I think it's probably fair to say that republicanism uh, is still a minority position uh, in both of these uh, Commonwealth uh, uh, dominions. Um, but I think that the, the forms of, of personal loyalty which people had towards Elizabeth II uh, are not quite there yet. 
uh, towards Charles III. Uh, so I think that uh, the space is open uh, for possibly quite rapid changes to happen in terms of political sentiment in places like Canada and Australia. But this is to be seen. Now, of course, as you've mentioned to some, the Commonwealth equates with colonialism and are not always um, flattering comparisons that, uh, that, that are associated with it. But yet in recent years, a number of countries that were never even British colonies have joined um, the Commonwealth. Uh, I'm thinking about its position, its political, its economic significance, where you think that lies and what it really says about the future of the group. Well, I think the Commonwealth, uh, ever since the 1960s, was an organization which was dominated by countries which had been on the underside of imperial power, uh, in which the majority of uh, Commonwealth jurisdictions were in Africa and the Caribbean and the Pacific and in South Asia. Uh, and uh, it has functioned essentially uh, as a bit like the UN General Assembly as a body in which, in fact, the sovereignties of post-colonial nations have had a kind of primacy. And indeed, this meant that uh, for countries like Mozambique, which had never been uh, uh, a British colony, Mozambique and Cameroon, which had never been British colonies, uh, they took the decision um, to join uh, the British Commonwealth or join, join the Commonwealth uh, because they considered that it was in their uh, best national interest. So to the extent that the Commonwealth is an organization which is not, in fact, uh, uh, an instrument of British power, or at least a British hard power, I should say, uh, but something which is a kind of uh, genuinely international uh, cosmopolitan entity, uh, something in which there are stakeholders uh, from every part of the world. Uh, I see the, the Commonwealth continuing to have a value for nation states uh, in the Caribbean, in Africa, uh, in South Asia and the Pacific, uh, such that the organization itself would be able to uh, navigate uh, any change uh, in the British monarchy uh, towards uh, it, it, as, it, as it makes its own future. Uh, I can see the Commonwealth uh, continuing to be a body which uh, operates uh, as a kind of uh, caucus in the international system uh, and a space in which uh, important conversations about things like uh, climate change and economic development uh, have been and are taking place. Let's talk about the United Kingdom beyond the confines of the Commonwealth. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking about the impact that the, the death of Queen Elizabeth II is going to have, because she was the monarch that, that is the only monarch that most of us really ever knew. What does that mean for the UK's position in the world? Well, I think that, that uh, Elizabeth provided a symbol of stability uh, for the British nation in the world. Uh, that the existence of this crown, which uh, retained its continuity of, uh, in the person of this uh, quite charismatic woman, this, I think, certainly added significantly to Britain's uh, appearance uh, as a space of order, stability, constitutional continuity. Given the kinds of crises and revolutions of a kind that we've seen uh, in the nature of British public affairs over the last few years, uh, of which Brexit is only the most uh, prominent uh, uh, example, uh, I think that, that Britain would have looked a lot more floppy um, uh, had there not been a strong uh, sovereign at the centre. It is quite possible that Charles might effectively occupy this role. 
And uh, I, 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 I would imagine that Britain's interests uh, will in fact be uh, dependent upon the fate of the British economy uh, and of um, uh, the, 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 the agency of, of British public, public uh, figures in international life. Um, more than the crown. But I think that the, that the monarchy can continue to play some kind of role uh, in the identity of Britain in the world uh, and its claim uh, to uh, a kind of continuity of constitutional uh, uh, practice uh, stretching back uh, for centuries. Professor Richard Drayton, thank you. Thanks very much. Find out what the whole world is thinking in the agenda. Coming up on a future agenda, fatal floods and devastating droughts. We'll find out how the world can cope with an ongoing water crisis. But for now, from me, Juliet Mann, and from all of the Agenda team here in London, goodbye. <laughs>